0: Hi everyone i'm zach with la familia ayahuasca and i'm sitting with the other master shamans of la familia ayahuasca and this is
1: Chess. hello hey
2: everyone i'm michael
0: so thanks for taking the time to watch this this video in this video we're going to do a couple of things this is a, kind of a big video in the first 10 minutes or so, we're going to give you an overview of our approach in working with ayahuasca and how our retreats are formatted. Our retreats are exceptionally unique, and so we'll, we'll do an overview of this new retreat format and kind of hit the high points and then. After that overview, we're going to dive deeper into each of the uh, special sauces, so to speak, um, because, again, this is a very unique approach to working with ayahuasca and and uh, we're really, really excited about it. With that said, let's let's start with the most basic, uh, most obvious, difference that we have at La Familia Ayahuasca in our retreats compared to what you might find out in the broader Ayahuasca community. Um, Michael, would you like to take that one?
2: Yeah. So in the broader Ayahuasca community, you know, on average, you're going to have a retreat with about 15 to 80 80 people. (laughs) That's eight
0: zero. And
2: and that's not a misspeaking. Um, We've met people who have gone to those retreats, and while they're great, the amount of personal attention that you receive when you're in a group of five people maximum, we take five guests max, and we have the three of us plus a senior student who are the facilitators, that leads to far more amount of personal attention and medicine going directly to you and towards you during the retreat.
0: Yeah, and it's, it it's also allows much more direct access to us. So if I'm a guest and I have big questions about why is the medicine acting or why am I experiencing the medicine in X, Y, Z way, I can go to Jess or, or Michael and, and get that information directly from the ma- master shaman. Um, when you are in a group of 15 to 80, the chances of you actually getting much one-on-one time with the shaman uh, or sham that was the plural, shamans, <laughs> facilitators. facilitators. <laughs> um, is is much less i mean they might have in in larger groups and let's let's, to be clear most retreats are running about 15 to 30 with that 180 person retreat being somewhat of an outlier Um, you're just you're just not going to have that access like you would with us Um, do you have anything to add on that
1: yeah well and a lot of a lot of different kinds of retreats also the facilitators aren't necessarily around uh, after ceremony. They come in for ceremony and then they leave. And that is also not how we operate. We are there um, for, the, for the entire retreat, at least one of us 24 yep. seven. And uh, we hang out, um, yep. answer questions, and, and talk about the really, really interesting and mysterious things that happen in the medicine space.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this also helps with the, the integration process, again, because you can get your answers directly from from the shaman Uh, the other really obvious straightforward thing is that we are going to have very uh, luxury boutique luxury is what we would call it uh, accommodations and food and what that means is there's a certain amount of uh... customization in terms of the food and the quality of the food is 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 going to be quite high organic locally sourced uh, we can work with different diets, even things like keto, um, raw vegan might be a challenge in Mexico, but we we can do a lot of things that we just would not be available with a group of 15 or more people. Um, we also are going to bring in other modalities, uh, other healing modalities um, as part of the retreat, and again, this is something that. In larger group setting you just can't get to that many people and in this small five-person retreat setting we can really focus in on the individual and and there's a certain amount of customization that can go go on there on a case-by-case basis Um, let's start with the coaching because this is going to happen prior to the retreat starting and also post retreat. And Michael is our, uh, our our coach, so to speak. Um, so if you can kind of go through what, what the coaching looks, what the schedule look like uh, in terms of pre post and then what's it, what is it about?
2: Yeah. So the scheduling around coaching is once that once you sign up for a retreat, uh, you'll have the ability to schedule those coaching calls. And I would say starting about a month out to a month and a half out max is going to be ideal. The first coaching call is just what I call a visioning session. We're really dialing in how do you want to be? Like, what does that feel like? It's not about a doing state, it's very much so A, how do you want to feel in your body what would that look like and then the second coaching call is utilizing that being state as kind of the compass in the North Star we dial in you know what are the intentions and patterns coming into the retreat that you would find most effective to work on Uh, and that doesn't mean there there might not be other things that come up but going in from a very good starting place with a keyed-in intention and awareness around it,
0: yeah. and, and learning how to figure out what is a pattern, yeah. what what needs to be worked on. Um, this I've come across it so many times. There's some confusion and difficulty in figuring out. Well, what what do I need to work on? What 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 is that? Um, you know, I always throw out the idea of oh, I want to work on anger. Well anger, let's, let's parse that down just a lot to, <laughs> just a lot to, to what exactly, how does that anger manifest in a, in a way that is irrational and not helpful because anger is a human experience, part of the human experience. So we can't get rid of that.
2: Exactly. And, you know, sometimes there's surface level patterns that people can talk about, but there's actually a pattern underlying it that is the deeper core pattern that would be helpful to release. And it manifests as all these surface patterns, but the current underneath it is the same. Okay. After retreat, there's an integration coaching option, and time, (laughs) Um, which is, you know, you've gone through the retreat, you've received all the lessons that you've had, you've got your new practices and movement and lessons from the medicine, How do you want to integrate that? How do you want that integration process to go? And we'll work together to customize your approach to integration, making sure that from your own intention, and as defined by you, you have the resources, support, and approach that is going to help you integrate and embody those lessons in the most fruitful way possible.
0: So that's the coaching, Um, and again, that's two sessions prior to, and then one integration um, call, coaching call, um, which could be in person at the end of the retreat. It depends on where someone's at. Once again, highly individualized and customized. Um, Now let's move on to the uh, more esoteric stuff for a second, Um, and what i'm speaking of there are um, we're going to be doing each individual will receive a holographic sound healing um, individual session and then throughout the uh, ceremonies too in ceremonies we'll be doing holographic sound healing as well question is is what is holographic sound healing? <laughs> and again, we're, we're we're being very quick and quick and dirty in this description here, and we're going to dive into it deeper after this first ten to fifteen minutes.
1: Right. So once you have gone through your coaching calls with miguel or michael Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and you've identified these patterns and they can be mental patterns emotional patterns um, or even physical ailments what we do in the sound healing is that we create a very specific container and then infuse these patterns with intention via sound and in so doing we infuse you with a higher vibration that, that causes your whole system to resonate at a higher frequency such that these things can be released and we're, we're really pushing in that intention that you hold, which is based on that felt sense of who you want to be. And we're calling that in uh, with frequency and with sound.
0: Mm-hmm. Again, uh, <laughs> somewhat esoteric for some. Um, and I want to point out, as we move on, that all of these more esoteric practices or protocols, we've done them to each other and uh, have received them ourselves. And we wouldn't put them forth if they, we didn't find them to be incredibly effective. So with that said, I guess it's back to me because during the retreat, um, each guest will receive three illumination sessions. Now, um, what is an illumination? <laughs> uh, this is a protocol d- um, brought forth from the Andes of Peru by Dr. Alberto Villodo uh, and the Four Wind Societies. It's, it's from the, the Queiro tribe in, in the Andes. And essentially what we do is we take that pattern that it has been very difficult for one to release via therapy, um, spiritual work, or even other plant medicine retreats. Um, and in fact, that is what drew me to this, this protocol to begin with is I had gone through thousands of ayahuasca ceremonies and other plant medicine protocols, and I still had patterns. And in fact, all three of us have gone through that and then we discovered this this protocol and uh, I I studied it and practice it and um, we've found it to be amazing in terms of releasing uh, these patterns that were not uh, released through other uh, modalities such as plant medicine therapy and spiritual work. So what we do is we take the patterns that you work out with uh, the negative patterns that uh, work out with michael and those coaching calls and we are able to remove or release because it's it's participatory so the 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 person receiving the illumination has to really want to release this pattern and so we're able to release the pattern we're also able to release any of the energy that the energy is that which kind of overtakes the mind so that we kind of lose control and we do something irrational uh, over and over again and we release that, that energy and then we also this is really important, we release the affinity for that pattern All, what can happen in therapy in plant medicine uh, and, and in spiritual work like meditation is we release the pattern it goes away for a couple weeks, a couple months, what have you but then it comes back And then the reason it comes back is there's an affinity still left in our energetic system. So we're actually calling that same pattern to come back over and over again, even though we have these long breaks and it can be quite frustrating (laughs) to, to think that we're like, Oh, I'm already done with that issue. And then the issue just keeps coming back over and over again. So again, the illumination allows one to uh, release the pattern itself the energy associated with the pattern, and then any affinities associated with the pattern. And again, it's it's shocking how effective it is. It's usually done outside of ayahuasca ceremonies, but I've started to do them uh, with great success in ayahuasca ceremonies, and it just turbocharges the, the whole healing experience.
2: Yeah, and what gets me excited is that Any of these modalities are effective in and of themselves, Mm -hmm. right? Ayahuasca, it is effective in and of itself. Coaching is effective in and of itself. Sound healing, effective in and of itself. Illuminations, effective in and of themselves. And yet when you combine them all together, the amount of depth to that healing with understanding and release and you know, releasing not only the affinity and the patterns, but having that brought up to an even higher level with awareness and clarity and intention about how your soul, spirit desires to be or feel is amazing. Yeah. And that I'm not seeing anywhere else.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, in fact, we- at the beginning of this video, we forgot the, what we've come up with for the name of the way we do this is high impact ayahuasca, which we're, it, it's very descriptive and it's it's exactly what we're doing. Um, and we feel like it's a bit of a cheesy name. And so if anyone has a better (laughs) name than Ayahuasca, please comment below Mm -hmm. and uh, we'd love to hear it because any good ideas we'll we'll, we'll definitely consider. Um, But moving forward, the other thing that we're gonna be doing uh, is um, uh, dialing in the appropriate daily practice for each individual. And what does this mean? It's like, it's essentially the, this whole idea, maybe you've seen it out in the world where someone's like, meditation, mindfulness is, is the way to go. It's going to solve all your problems. Uh, not true. Uh, some people just aren't wired to do a meditation practice or aren't willing to put in the time and effort to, because it's a long long uh, endeavor to to take on a meditation practice not just we love meditation and for some people it's awesome we are meditators um and then you have people who will be like oh well prayer you know prayer is the way to go (laughs) and just pray and everything will be great and again it's not for everyone um contemplation which is this lost art that is uh it's not concentration. It's not meditation. It's right in the middle uh, of contemplation. And we'll get into those details uh, about contemplation later. (laughs) Um, So what we'll do is throughout the retreat, we'll go, okay, let's do, uh, say, 20 minutes of meditation, just focusing on breath. Let's do 20 minutes of prayer. That's the, the first round. Next day, Okay, let's, you pick one of those two to work with, and we're going to add another practice. Let's say mantra. Um, and then you can split test. Like after, after that second day, you go, okay, I really like the mantra. I'm gonna, I like that mantra. Okay, now we're going to a third session. Keep the favorite, which in this case would be mantra. And then we're going to bring in contemplation. Which one? Which one? And so by the end of the retreat, we're going to be going through that, I would say at least four times, if not five, that you'll walk away with a practice that you enjoy and is appropriate for you and that you can take home and work with for the rest of your life. Anything else on that? Yeah.
1: Well, <clears throat> we're also, we're well-versed in many different kinds of meditation as well. Uh-huh. So. Just because, one, you know, the simple focusing on the breath isn't, right. isn't jiving with you doesn't mean there aren't a whole lot of other kinds of meditation that we can try. Yeah. And yeah. different positions to meditate into, I know a lot of people are kind of resistant to the sitting meditation. There, there are other ways.
0: Yes, definitely. So, and we will have conversations with you as the guest. Like, How's this working? How's that working? And then we will be uh, inspired, directed by your feedback as to what your next uh, practice to try out is. Um, So again, highly customizable and individual, or individualized, if you will. Finally, um, we are going to have a, a movement practice Um, Unfortunately, the woman, um, Krista, who is our movement master, uh, she's also a senior student with us and will be helping facilitate our retreats. Uh, She's not here uh, to explain uh, her approach, uh, but I think we had a good conversation. I think we can can bottom line it pretty well. Uh, I think I'll let Michael.
2: Well, as the retreat moves along, it's nice to keep the physical body moving along with it. And so whether it is just a kind of daily gentle practice to to stay embodied and to keep the energy flowing or whether it's, you know, dialing in a movement practice that you want to take with you as well that's you know like hey, I've got 20 minutes a day where I can really move and this is what I'd really like to be working towards in my movement practice Krista is phenomenal at dialing that in and it's actually very important to the integration process Mm -hmm. because movement brings us into our body Mm -hmm. and the big work in integration is embodying these lessons that we're getting and embodying the information and so Krista is very artful with how you can best listen to your body that will bring you into communion with your body throughout the course of the retreat and beyond yeah.
0: and she's also going to we'll have you know the, the small group doing uh, basic movement stuff together she's also going to be spending some time with each individual again to figure out what does this individual need and what's what's appropriate for them and what's sustainable as a practice as as they leave. And um, once again this is something that I don't think anyone else is doing in any other ayahuasca retreat. Um, I I do believe that covers everything. Um, So if you want to continue watching we are going to dive in deeper uh, to each one of these um, modalities that we are bringing Uh, into the retreat uh, much more detail and so thank you for watching if you're going away at this point and stay tuned for more. Now we're gonna do a deeper dive into all the subjects that we talked about in our overview. And again, we'll we'll start with the most obvious and that is doing ayahuasca ceremonies, ayahuasca retreats in a small group. Uh, And when we say small group, we mean five people. And that's five people with Three Master Shaman with over 24 years of collective experience and we've helped over 2,000 people on their ayahuasca healing journeys. Uh, in addition to that we have a wonderful senior student Krista who will be in a later video in this this segment. Um, she's a movement master, mistress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and she's also a very skilled facilitator working, working her way through our training program, and she's a senior student there. So again, we're working with us four uh, facilitating each retreat and five guests only. So obviously we can provide a lot of um, individual attention. Most other retreats will have guests group sizes of Fifteen up to eighty, the eighty being somewhat of an outlier, um, most I think you'll you'll find are probably in the twenty to thirty range um, I actually if I can start off uh, my, my my very first I would say I went on three retreats at this retreat center where um, they had thirty to thirty five people in there ceremonies and i want to see. there's a two two master shaman with like a third sometimes fourth um, student and it was and this is all i knew because it was my first several experiences and it was chaotic there was always someone screaming puking making some sort of noise, (laughs) moaning, uh, it was, yeah, very, very chaotic. And, um, I, I I have to say it was a wonderful experience. Uh, it wasn't until I moved out into the deep jungle of Peru where I was doing ceremonies like we're doing, where it was me and a couple other gringos. (coughs) And, uh, we had three or four master shaman. And I was like, holy cow, this is way better. (laughs) Um, Just in terms of the... Even on a very basic level, because when you do ayahuasca deep in the Amazonian jungle, you're not getting a lot of hand-holding by the shaman. Um, They just don't talk much. (laughs) Um, There isn't much talking guidance and which is fine for, for the context I was in, it was awesome. Uh, but what I can say was very different was being showered with their energy, their ikaros in and their presence. It had it wasn't diluted among 30 other people. It was it was very much like wow I'm getting I'm getting a lot of energy and a lot of healing energy um, all at once in a very concentrated manner um, so th- that's some contrast that that I put forth and and to be clear, we have until until now with this new format we work with we have worked with um group sizes of fifteen to twenty, and um that <laughs> format was largely based on that first experience I had with the 30, 35 people, I was like, that's way too much. I, I don't want to provide that kind of uh, experience. I, I brought it down to 15 to, to 20, and that's much more manageable. And now we're taking it even further, <clears throat> down to, to five.
1: So as as a person who would be, I mean, we can talk about this in two different ways. Like as a facilitator, why am I excited to, <laughs> to serve five people? But as, as a guest, like, why is that exciting? Yeah. And for me, if I'm putting myself in the position of a guest um, and I may talk about some things that are a little bit esoteric here, um, the positioning around, we, we have an altar called the Mesa. Okay. and it, it is full of energy I know that might sound crazy <laughs> if you've never if you've never experienced ayahuasca before but trust me you'll understand mm-hmm. um, and you get to be right there with the altar that is supercharged with with medicine all night long and and the, just the positioning um, of where you can where you can put your mat is, is kind of important yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Not only that, but, and I'm going to keep coming back to this because I think I would be excited about this both as a guest and I'm excited about it as a facilitator, like some of the best time is after something Mm -hmm. (laughs) where you get to... Uh, relate and hang out and share experiences and kind of like expound on the the mysterious happenings in the medicine and you get to you get to know the facilitators and then we get we as facilitators get to know you very well during this time too so Mm -hmm. there's just like there's a level of intimacy there with guest and facilitator that's just not possible with larger groups, even larger groups on the smaller end, 15, 15 to 15 20 people. people. Yeah, yeah. And furthermore, there are, there are modalities that we each practice that are really beautiful in the medicine space. I can't provide that and a group of, you know, 10 to 15 people to each person, but I can in a group of five, yep. and we all can. And as a guest, I would be very excited to re- be receiving all of those different modalities, which can take the experience even, even deeper. deeper. And as a facilitator, I'm just really excited that I get to offer them in the medicine space and equally to each guest.
0: Yeah, yeah. One, one thing, um, going back to that first experience I had with um, 30, 35 people, um, if someone started freaking out, it took a lot before anybody went to help them, because because they were trying to to manage it from a distance because there were so many so many guests, and um, that's <clears throat> completely different. Like if, if someone's having a hard time, particularly in this this small uh, five group or five person group setting, we will can get over there immediately and 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 provide help uh stat uh, that just you know, even we're we've always been proud of the personal attention we've been able to provide in the 15 to 20 guest format but this just takes it to yet another level um it's you know i just wanted to piggyback on what jess says about providing these other modalities, particularly sound healing and illumination <coughs> sessions during ceremony, it it is truly, truly next level um, to be able to do that. And uh, again, you just can't do that with any more. Than, really, we, we can't do more. We might be able to do six at some point, but yeah. uh, uh, five seems to be the magic number.
2: And taking that same kind of cue of putting myself in the... The seat of a guest, right? You know, for me, as a guest, I'm even even before this, I I was relatively energetically sensitive to like I'm an introvert, (laughs) right? And so the idea of going to a place where I'm going into a somewhat vulnerable new experience for me with 15 to 20 plus people is like that's a lot of people that like normally I'd like keep my group smaller, mm-hmm. maybe even just by myself, whatever it may be. And so there are benefits of being in a group setting, right? Like the things that the group is working through that resonate within us get worked on and released. That still happens in the small group mm-hmm. size, but I'm not in the the auric presence in, in the kind of energy that comes in when there's like, 20 people all there with me. It mm-hmm. actually allows me to stay within my own process more mm-hmm. versus getting distracted or pulled into somebody else's experience. And sure, there's learning and teaching in that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, no, I, I want to go through this deep work and now there's another distraction. Right. Okay, that's part of it, but no small group size allows me to just stay with myself through that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the um the we keep harping on it, but the, the the energy that comes through um with the concentrated nature of that with a small group is is insane uh in a good way. And um yeah, the the that point about distraction um, yeah, your chances of that happening are way, way high. And when we say distraction, it's like if you're sitting next to someone who's <sighs> 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 all, all ceremony, um, that that can be distracting. Or even sometimes people, you know, crying all night or what, what have you.
2: Which you know is part, part of, of the, the release process. So yeah. it's not that. It's just like if you've got a bunch of people doing that yeah, at the same, same time. time or even people who aren't even making noise, but are just, you've got a lot of stuff being lifted and released and cleaned out, and it's like, oh, what's gonna help me be comfortable going into my own Mm -hmm. experience so that my own things can be released and cleaned out? You know, it's it's happening regardless, but what's going to make me more comfortable with that process Mm -hmm. and give me a sense of ease in my body that helps facilitate that process? small group size for me does that
0: yeah definitely um, one thing that we don't really highlight and I guess we'd kind of forget because we've been working together for so long we have a perfect balance of masculine and feminine it's myself Jess yourself and Krista and that is pretty unusual as well um, you know in, in the, it's changing uh, and I I think still the, the, the majority of ayahuasca shamans are men. Um, that's largely because of uh, cultural, not, not, not that women are deterred from doing ayahuasca, but they just tend to have more familial responsibilities that, that don't allow them to, to do the study uh, of working with the medicine. But that said, uh, a majority of um, facilitators, shaman, what have you, are men, and we have a really lovely mix of uh, masculine and feminine uh, in in ceremony, which is really cool. Yeah. Anything else on small groups before we move on to the next subject?
1: Well, you kind of just you kind of just brought it up uh, that there's there's three master shamans plus uh, senior student, quite quite a senior student <laughs> yeah, she's to a say. Badass. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really unusual. Yeah. It's really unusual. Usually, I mean, five people with one Master Shaman would be amazing, yeah. but you get three, and again, like a, a very senior student, that's very amazing. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but th- the way that we work together is mm. really interesting. It's <laughs> 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 and it, is, it has developed a lot of flavor yeah. um, over, over its time. And uh, it, I think it's very unique, very yeah. unusual, and a really beautiful thing to experience um, both as as the person doing it and, and as a person who receives it.
0: Yeah, because yeah, on occasion we do, um, if there's time and space, and we do our own ceremonies for ourselves, and sometimes we're like, hey, can you all be the facilitators, and I'm just going to sit or lie down and receive, and so we do get to experience ourselves, <laughs> um, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, I, I did want to there is another point that I, I forgot about, which is we we have our foundation in mestizo shamanism from Peru, uh, from the jungles of Peru, uh, and we also have brought in singing bowls, drums, and uh, chimes, and sometimes a, gu- a ukulele, guitar. Um, all these these things, which in the jungle, uh, particularly around Iquitos, <clears throat> the shaman tend to only use rattles and or what's called a shikapa, which is a leaf, leaf rattle. And so we've kind of, we keep that, that, that foundation, uh, the training that was received in Peru, and then we've layered on other things. So there's a type of ayahuasca that we like to call um, kumbaya ayahuasca, which is like a concert ayahuasca, and those tend to be really big groups, and they have their guitars, and they have like a sound system, and there's less, again, less personal attention. Um, And that's lovely and everything, but it's less deep work. Deep work can be done, but that's generally not the way it works out, um, and so we've done a really interesting job of combining that traditional healing, driving, you know, really going for it ikaros, and then we mix in mantra, we'll mix in the singing bowls, and we'll mix in uh, um, drums, and and it's just this really unique combination of styles in one, uh, which I, again I always. Tend to forget that that's something unique about ourselves. <laughs> it's just what we do. It's just what we do. So, um, cool. I I think we've covered the small group dynamic and why why it might be appropriate for some. And and I think it's worth reiterating that our model, our format, um, isn't going to be for everyone. Uh, one of which is the, the cost dynamic, and we understand that. Um, and there are if you want to work in a larger group, there are plenty of high-quality places out there that you can find. So we're by no means <clears throat> um, putting them down or anything. It's just this is this is a new format that we think is, is going to be uh, uh, particularly uh, amazing. <laughs> and I'm putting forth the argument that this, this work in this format is going to be equal to going to three or four uh, retreats in a larger format setting, just based on the work that we can do on an individual basis. Um, you know, it, that's, that's just an argument I'm putting forth. So. There's
2: only one way to find out. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
0: <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I think that covers that section. The we'll, next section will be, we'll talk about the coaching process that, that Miguel uh, is going to bring to the retreat format. Thank you.
3: Hey,
2: everyone. So, in this portion of the video, we're going to talk a little bit about the coaching dynamic that's in the retreat. And you know there's a difference in a preconceived notion around what is coaching mm. you know many people think that when they hear the word coach it goes back to like your old football or soccer or basketball coach whatever it may be mm-hmm. it's like here's what you do you do a then b then c and then you're going to get this result go team <laughs> <laughs> um no <laughs> so whereas counseling and some of those uh, other healing arts are looking backwards at your life, what coaching is doing is it's taking everything that's currently going on in your life and it's looking at where you are now and where you want to be going. And from my perspective it's not about what you want to be doing in the future, you know, that's interesting and it can be informative, but let's say that you were doing whatever you wanted to do in the future how would that make you feel? What would your being state be, right? What are you hoping happens in your internal state if you were to be doing that? And so what we'll do together is we spend the first session, it's about an hour and a half long, really diving into who do you wanna be? And then in the second session, we'll dive into, okay, this is what you've said, this is, you know, how you want to be. That's our our guiding star, so to speak. And then you'll bring up this pattern. It'll come up naturally. It's not me telling you, you've got this pattern. (laughs) It's it's what's been bothering you, what's going on in your life. Mm -hmm. Now, utilizing this north star, letting that light kind of cast a shadow from that frustration, to really figure out what the pattern that keeps on arising is and then we'll just explore that together and with that clarity that comes from that conversation with the intentionality then you come into retreat
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that's when things get interesting
0: and it's through that through the identification of the pattern that you that one is able to have an intention for the retreat, and also identify those those niggling, naggling patterns that we're aware of, but we just can't seem to get past. And then that's when uh, you hand, I take I take that pattern provided by you <laughs> through Michael helping um, to work on <clears throat> the illumination, and then also we'll bring it to Jess for the sound healing as well. So we're Taking these negative patterns impacting our relationships, our lives, and hitting it various angles—you got ayahuasca, sound healing, illumination—and um, con- then the spiritual practices, the daily practices, which is really cool. But the important thing is this pattern. It's it's this pattern. finding the pattern. Yeah, and it's like are determining.
2: Yeah. You know outside of these retreats within a a full coaching package, right? I call it alchemical coaching. Mm -hmm. Because we're taking the the base material of your life, what's already happening, right? And we're saying, okay, that is everything that you need to grow and to go through this transformative process. Mm -hmm. Question is, is what are you trying to transform into? Into, And that's where the definition of that being state is really important Mm -hmm. and once that's defined the patterns that are have prevented you from going in and stabilizing that which are not bad Mm -hmm. right this this is the key thing for me those patterns are not bad Mm -hmm. it's those patterns are coming up so that you can learn from them so that you can go through that Mm -hmm. and you know through coaching and kind of reframing, learning, investigating some hard reflections, you can get some really good clarity. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be patterns that just like easily dissolve and are like, oh yeah, clear. But there's going to be some that are like, you know, I can see this pattern. I've worked on it. I've tried all these different things. It's effective for a while. You know, I've gotten counseling around it. I've gotten coaching around it. I've gotten all this stuff. So I already know, Mm -hmm. but then I still keep doing it. (laughs) And so we'll, you know, maybe explore what happens when you keep doing it. Like what is getting supported through that? Mm -hmm. Because there's probably a deep imprint there and some sort of affinity for that pattern that makes you feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so... That's what coaching is really good at excavating. It's like clear understanding of what that pattern is versus I just keep on doing this thing and it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool, Well, what? A, tell me more about that. Yeah. What is going on from a feeling from exchange, standpoint right. in that process? And once the felt feeling kind of, even if you can't put words to it becomes clear, mm-hmm. like then you have something to work with. Mm-hmm. And then after retreat, (laughs) right? So at this point in time, you've gone through the pre-coaching, you've come to retreat, you've worked with Jess on the Sound Healing, and it's been amazing. (laughs) You've worked with Zach on the Illuminations, and it's been amazing. And you're like, great. And you've worked with Krista, and you're like, I'm feeling stellar right now. How do I integrate this new feeling uh, into my life it. going forwards and stabilize it, um, well, you'll have new practices, you'll have movement, you'll have resources outside of coaching and other things that can be supportive.
0: That we provide. That
2: we provide. Yeah. Um, and even with all of that, right, how would you like to integrate it? What would feel good to you in terms of integrating it? Is it like I need to integrate it now in this tension that comes in? Or is it like, hmm, I'm working on integrating and I want my journey towards integration to be more cohesive and gentle so that I can feel and stay embodied through that?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, both answers are okay. I am going to be curious about both. Okay, well, what's driving that I need to integrate it now? Mm -hmm. Versus, what's the challenge if you just let it be too wavy, Mm -hmm. you know? But you get to design with a support of somebody who is reflecting your own ideas back. You get to design your own integration package that's going to be effective for you. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And you get to define how you're going to hold Mm yourself accountable for it. You're going to get to decide and put some parameters around how you want to be as you struggle to integrate, Mm
0: -hmm. right? Or not struggle. Or not struggle. Um,
2: You know, for for me though, it's like, cool, I'm gonna integrate, it's gonna be great, easy and smooth. Then I hit a bump. And then I'm starting to beat myself up about that bump and that's where things start to unwind. It's like, when you hit those bumps, when you hit the successes, how do you want to approach that?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: That to me is where the integration work really starts to become more embodied and to infuse the lessons from the medicine at each individual opportunity of, of life, mm-hmm. which is kind of the point in my perspective. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah.
0: yeah, and one thing that, to point out is, is that by, once again, taking a very individual approach and designing out an integration program essentially, because the only person who can integrate is you right? It, it, you hear about integration coaches, and I think there may be a misconception that the integration coach is going to tell you what to do. It's like no, 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 no. We've got these tools, and we need to work with you and how how your system is, how you are as a person, how you want to be as a person, and design a specific program that is appropriate for you and sustainable. You know, if we pile out. Dude, Three hours of meditation a day and two hours of yoga and, <laughs> and mantra. It's, it's like, great. I mean, I would love to do all those things in a day, but I also have a four year old son. So, <laughs> um,
2: well, I mean, and I would say if somebody's telling you how to integrate for yourself, run. Mm, mm, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like, this process is I am constantly trying to coach myself out of a job. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't want you to have to come to me for coaching every single Tuesday at three o'clock because it's like, no, through working together, hopefully you are kind of finding that luminous light in and of yourself that is your own coach, Mm -hmm. is your own inner wisdom. That's like, yeah, no, I know how to respond to this. And then if a challenge comes up and there's something that you want some external support for, great. But anybody who's like, you need to do this, this, and this, and I'll see you next Tuesday so that I can keep on telling you what to do, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: I really think that the coaching piece is so important because so many people come to the medicine work and come to ayahuasca, and they're looking for transformation, but they have no idea what that's going to look like. And they're just, they're just coming and desiring the change. And Michael, being the excellent mirror that he is, helps you communicate with your higher self to determine like what what is the end state of this transformation, so that you can see it clearly, and you can mark out the steps um, towards embodying that.
0: Mm. Yeah. Cool.
2: Well, shall we move on to sound healing?
0: Yes, let's um, wrap things up for the, the coaching here. Yeah. I think. Uh, thank you for watching the coaching section. The next section is sound healing, and Jess will be leading that one.
3: Thank you.
1: Um We are going to be talking about what exactly is sound healing and
0: specifically holographic
1: specifically holographic sound healing. And uh, this is where potentially we can get a little bit woo, a little yeah. esoteric. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> hang in there, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fun. <laughs> so I'll just kind of start this by talking about what the science of mantra is, even though that's not necessarily the sound healing, but it, it pertains to it. So in mantras, basically the the science of that is that you are vibrating the quality or the essence of the energy that you're calling in into your body. Um, And that by chanting that over and over again, you're infusing your body with the energy of that archetype or that deity that you're calling in. In the same kind of way, in a holographic sound healing session, we are infusing you with your intention. We're infusing you with the the vibration of your highest embodiment. Or being. Or being. Hmm. So we're we're helping you to, we're infusing you with the essence of the transformation in your highest self. so yeah, we'll take a lot of the patterns that, that you uh, figure out with through coaching with Michael and we'll work on releasing those as well through the sound healing. But in the same moment, we will be calling in your intention and your higher self and infusing you with the vibration of that such that you, your energetic body and your physical body begin to resonate with that sound. And so I don't come up with that sound. It's it's not, uh, this is not like a, I'm just laying you down and singing to you kind mm. of kind of uh, thing.
0: Yeah, it's, it, and this is where it gets a little woo-woo, right? It's like, yes, she is singing, and she is <laughs> working yeah. with, with uh, the crystal bowls and various instruments. But it's um, essentially through the we've all got we've all received the holographic uh, sound healing training from Dr. Paul Hubbard and Jess has taken it further and she's become a trainer so she teaches other sound healing uh, or people who are aspiring to become sound healers to become sound healers and there is a transmission as uh, that happens as part of this uh, training and it essentially opens our energetic bodies up to uh, receive and be a, cha- a channel, but we're not being taken over by an entity per se. But we're channeling what spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, however you want to describe that, um, is is telling us to put forth in the, in that moment. So. Uh, with Jess, it tends to be very angelic and, and lovely, um, whereas when I when I do my sound healing, it can get a little... Um, it, it, it all depends on what the, the medicine, uh, ayahuasca is telling uh, us to sing, and also uh, through that transmission, uh, we're being the hollow bone or the empty vessel to be um, a transmission for the greater spirit or universe, if you will.
1: Essentially, I will be toning back to you, into your body, what y- the intuitive tones that your higher self is feeding me to sing back to you.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, your, it's your higher self healing your physical self or yeah. your, your, uh, your yeah. base self. Well,
2: it, gets, well it's, it is the alchemical process, right, of your higher being saying... Let's go and break that part up. So maybe there's a tone or a frequency that is more like of a gravelly, frictiony nature, right? That tone is—it's
0: going to break, up break that breaking up block. some energy, yeah.
2: and then maybe the more soft angelic tones are, you know, infusing or whatever it may be. But it's again, as woo-woo as it sounds, very scientific. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. it does. It does. Um, that quality to it, it as well. it's you know we're talking at mm-hmm. the sciency level electromagnetic resonance with each other and so in frequency uh-huh. right uh-huh. so the frequency of tone just being channeled through a person in addition to the crystal bowls um, helps raise that internal frequency to a new state uh-huh.
1: Well, all you have to do to understand, really, the science of sound is look up cymatics because what this is, is it, the Can way that it? S. <laughs> C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S. c-y-m-a-t-i-c-s. Okay. okay, so these are pictures of what the vibration of sound t- does to the structure of water. So if you can imagine that happening throughout every cell of your body, and the intuitive tones vibrating your cells to take on like a new structure, that's what's happening. Mm. Um, and you know, it, again, if you've never if you've never attended an ayahuasca ceremony before, it can sound strange that sound can have that kind of power. Mm. Um, but in the same way that mantras infuse a body with the with the vibration and the energy of the entity that's being called in <laughs> that's the way ikaros work those I- are the, the medicine, medicine songs that we sing in ceremony and that's exactly how it works and there's a reason why sound is the keystone of almost every ayahuasca ceremony ritual yeah,
0: yeah, fun yeah. and there are so many traditions that rely on sound as a healing modality because that vibration Goes in at a way that nothing else really can. And it, it, it breaks up stagnant energy. It also raises the frequency of the existing cells um, and also brings your consciousness up. I mean, frankly, if, if someone wants to give this a shot, and go to, I guess, I think YouTube and, and uh, look up some sound healing recordings and just plug in, close your eyes and listen to it. And you'll be like, whoa, something is happening here. And then you know, when you do it in person, go to a sound healing session in person, it take, it, it, it's exponential. And then when you add ayahuasca to all of that, it takes it to yet another level. And that's why we're bringing it in to, to ceremony with, with our retreats.
1: Right. Um, I'm also excited to be able to offer the full sound healing protocol during ceremony, um, because with the medicine, it becomes very amplified. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited for that.
2: Cool. Uh-huh. I just love frequency, it's cool, <laughs> I love sound healing, and it's like, you know, you've got mental frequency, then you've got emotional frequency, and then you've got, like, even light has frequency, uh-huh. right, and so it's just cool when you're doing the sound healing to be like, oh, my body, the internal structural dynamics of my cells, which are 70% water, um, are literally changing form based off of sound sound, sound. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, cool.
3: yeah.
0: yeah awesome it's amazing yeah. cool
1: it's juicy <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think we're does that cover it? I, I
1: feel complete
0: yeah. do you guys feel complete? Yeah. And, okay cool and can I wrap it up? yeah alright hey, um, thank you and, and the next section is going to be the uh, illumination process and I will be talking about that Hi again. In this segment, we are going to be talking about the illumination process that we are bringing into our retreats, and most notably, we're bringing into ceremony, ayahuasca ceremony, which is not the normal or traditional way that illumination process is done. To give you some background, the illumination process was brought forth from the Andes in Peru by Dr. Roberto Villodo, and he created the Four Winds Society, and he works largely with the Quero, an indigenous tribe in the Andes. He does bring in other um, schools of thought, both from the Amazon jungle and also from Tibetan Buddhism and that sort of thing. So that said, this this illumination process is brought forth by him. What is an illumination process? Well, I don't know if you've ever met someone who's done a lot of therapy and has maybe done some ayahuasca or plant medicine retreats and maybe they've also done a lot of spiritual work, and yet they still have negative patterns that impact their relationships, both personally but also at work and in general and impacting their lives. And so what the illumination process is for is specifically those patterns that are resistant to therapy, plant medicine, and or spiritual work. So... What happens is, as we've talked about in earlier segments with Michael, is we are going to identify, through Michael and you, (laughs) identify some of these nagging patterns that just keep coming back no matter uh, how hard you work on them and in the illumination process i'm not going to explain the whole process because i don't think that's helpful here but it's it's a pretty simple straightforward process that doesn't require anything too weird from you (laughs) 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 but what the illumination process does is it the, the the pattern is what we call is an imprint and so to explain that for a second if you can You may have already uh, heard that our energy field is not just our energy body, or not just our physical body, but it's like a torus that goes up, a donut that goes up and out around us. And so when we encounter a traumatic experience or just repetitive conditioning from society or family, it can create an imprint and what it—it's an imprint in your energetic field, and it starts out far away from the physical body, and then it starts moving in closer and closer and closer to the physical body. And as it gets closer, it starts impacting our lives, beginning with emotional. Patterns that repeat themselves, intera- you know, relational patterns that repeat themselves over and over again. And then eventually, if it gets close enough, it can start impacting our physical, physical health. So, the idea around doing the illumination is one, to release those, those patterns that are impact- impacting our lives, but it's also a long term health, <laughs> physical health practice to, to mitigate disease and, and issues and uh, medical issues further down the road. And what the elimination process does is removes that imprint, releases that imprint, removes any energy associated with that imprint, and then also removes any affinity for that imprint. And the, the last part, the, the affinities, is incredibly important because we can go through, again, therapy, and we might be like, oh, I've worked through this issue. I'm all done. And yeah, maybe good for a couple of months, but then that pattern comes back and you still have that issue. And it's like, uh, Maybe you go to uh, ayahuasca or some other plant medicine retreat, and you're like, whoa, I'm, I've taken care of this issue, this pattern, I'm done. And it comes back. And the reason it keeps coming back is the affinity. If the affinity has not been removed, then, the pattern will come back. And so that's the elimination the process in a nutshell. I wanna kinda of talk with Michael and Jess about uh, some examples. So I wanna, I'm gonna be a little bit vulnerable here. And I'm, I asked Jess about this before we started this recording. This is very recent that I I've had several illuminations done to me over quite a while and have worked through a lot of patterns, so I'm super happy. And as time goes on, I find deeper and deeper patterns. And I think it was two weeks ago was when I had had an illumination. What I discovered was I had a deep, deep mistrust of the feminine. And it was really not obvious to me. (laughs) It took a while to find it and so i went to a practitioner a friend of mine who did this did the illumination process on on this distrust of of the feminine and it was top three transformational experience of my life i was at the end of that that session i was crying because this pattern was blocking my deep deep desire and devotion the desire to be connected with the feminine and devotion to the feminine but this pattern was blocking it over and over again throughout my life causing all kinds of problems now coming out of that I, I, I found myself being softer with people I found myself being more loving with my lovely wife here. I don't know if I was more loving with you afterwards or not. But, <laughs> but you know, and I can, I can say all these things, but I, I wanted to bring this one in, up in particular because Jess was able to witness and experience my way of being post that elimination in particular.
1: Yes. And what I can say about that is, is that uh, prior to the illumination process, it was sometimes very difficult to be around you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a sharpness, an edge. Um, and, but post-illumination, I have uh, really enjoyed being in your presence. And you have been more loving and sweeter with me. And it's just uh, opened uh, opened a door anew in our relationship. So it's been very important. Yeah.
0: So. Um, yeah, it was, it was a big one. and super happy it happened. <laughs> cool. And do either one of you... Because both Jess... Although Michael has received more illuminations than Jess. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to share their experience. I can share
2: if you, if you want some time to think about one. Sure. Um, so, I had... Past tense is important here. <laughs> I had a very strong ability to overcomplicate things.
0: Mm.
2: Um, I mean, I'm exceptional at overcomplicating things, uh, and it's. I was very aware of the pattern <laughs> for a very long time, um, and was consistently reminded of that pattern by those close to me. So it never left my awareness for very long. <laughs> And yet, like, I'd worked on it very slowly. I was like, cool, I know this is there. <laughs> what am I missing? Like, what is causing this overcomplicating pattern? And I don't quite remember exactly what illumination it was, yeah. um, which is something that can happen because the pattern is gone. It's so <laughs> like, what was that? Even? <laughs> But it was around trust, I think, in the universe. It might have been a big one. Like, trust in the universe. Uh-huh. And because I didn't trust something broadly, I would try to control or overcomplicate to give myself this perception. Complic- of
0: By trying to control it. Yeah,
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, whatever that may have been. But there was a felt experience that I had when it ended up getting overcomplicated. Uh And I worked on that, and all of a sudden... In the illumination. In the illumination, I worked on the pattern of... I mean, it came out in a variety of ways, but I was able to go into the feeling that led to me overcomplicating mm-hmm. many, many things. Um, and since then, I would say that my communication has been far more clear. I can still take complex ideas and, if I wanted to, make them more complex, <laughs> but it's been much more about actually simplifying, making things easier to digest, and taking complex ideas and making them simple and that has impacted my coaching work it's impacted my relationships it's impacted my you know friendships and just you know being able to communicate very clearly um, just something that I am actually very decent at (laughs) Uh, it's weird to say like oh my god that was the most impactful illumination ever but it's like wait no when I trust life I can just communicate with ease and that's actually far more impactful than if I were to not be relaxed mm. and here's this all these things
0: so and this is an oh, yeah. important point the, the, the words the description of the pattern is totally secondary to that felt sense. What does it feel like when that pattern overtakes us and we do something irrational? What does it feel like? Because the words are always going to fall short. The words, the, in fact, um, in some sessions, if someone's come to me over a period of time and they're, they know the process really well, I'll be like, hey, do you want to talk about it? And they'll be like, nope, I know what it feels like, and I'll be like, cool, let's do it. That's all we need is the feeling associated with it, and and it, it can be nice for those who have a pattern that they don't feel comfortable sharing, um, because we're not, there isn't that therapy um, component to it. We don't have to talk through it as long as they they know how that feels, that pattern feels. When it happens, then then we can release it. So that's a nice aspect. But the the description of the pattern, um, it can be helpful. And and since, in particular, in our culture, we are a talking culture. And we have Michael uh, helping evoke what is a pattern, how to identify a pattern in the beginning that, that's super super helpful the talking part but it's not necessary that the feeling is a, the talking
2: in my experience is only helpful if it's pulling you into the feeling mm-hmm. right I mean we had an illumination the other day where I talked but there was a very obvious moment where as I talked I got hit with the emotion and I was like there's the pattern right. right and so in all of the illuminations it's like there's some pattern that is a deep felt sense. Mm -hmm. However it manifests out into the world can vary, but there might be a few different manifestations that are all related to the same felt pattern. Mm -hmm. It's like, when I feel this, cool, I'm feeling it. Oh, either
0: that happens or that happens or that happens. Mm -hmm and sometimes things like in this case it sounds like you weren't working on complicating things when you came for that illumination the intention was not to simplify things however since doing that illumination there has been a domino effect that you weren't aware of that oh this actually simplifies things exactly yeah. oh I think I mentioned um, that traditionally their illuminations aren't done in ayahuasca ceremony I did get the go-ahead from Alberto Vildo, and I asked him, I said, hey, is there any contraindications? Should I, you know, should we wait uh, some time between an illumination and an ayahuasca ceremony? And he was like, no, no contraindications. And in fact, if you're in ceremony, that's a great time to do the illumination and so since then I've been doing it and it's like oh wow this is amazing It's it, and I would, I would say the majority of your illuminations have been outside the ceremony so the outcomes are, are, are no different the outcomes are solid it's just in the ayahuasca ceremony context there are a couple of benefits one mm-hmm. is one gets a really direct experience that their body is an energetic body It's it's shocking. It's a great lesson. Um, And then, two, there can be uh, more connections made during the illumination session, more connections made as to why that imprint came into being, uh, which can be helpful, kind of a why story, if you will. And so, so there's some definite benefits to doing it in ayahuasca ceremonies. And I, again, would not... There's no, I I would not say there's any difference in the effectiveness um, outside versus in ceremony.
2: Yeah, I I would agree. Um, Experientially, impact-wise, it doesn't matter if the pattern's worked on in ceremony or outside of ceremony. And, you know, you mentioned the why story. For me, it's also a a how story, Mm. right? So I can see when I've received illuminations in ceremony, and you're getting rid of you know, the energy associated with said pattern, it's like, cool, I was aware of this aspect of how the pattern played out. Here's all the other energy that was associated with it. Oh, that was related to, oh, oh, okay, cool. Now it kind of brings up to the why it was in the first place. But impact-wise, it does not matter whether you're in ceremony or out. It is amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. cool. I think that covers it. Well, I think the next section that we'll be doing is gonna be around movement. And we will have Krista come and talk about it with y'all directly. So we're super excited to have her uh, set some time aside for you. coming back in this segment we have brought in the lovely Krista who is our movement expert and in this in this section we're going to talk about one we're going to talk a little bit about her background and also what her plans are for the retreat and how she might help you in terms of movement and particularly integration, is, is a the, really the big, big thing here. Um, a lot of people don't realize how important uh, movement is in the integration process. So with that said, Krista, you have lots and lots and lots of experience with movement and dance, right? Mm-hmm. So can you kind of dive into that?
4: Sure, I can. Um, I started formal dance training when I was three Ooh. with ballet for many years and dabbled in jazz, contemporary, and modern. Uh-huh. All our forms of dance and tango, blues fusion, and contact improv. So I have a, a spread of experience and dance forms. And I started practicing yoga when I was 18 um, and was an athlete before that, so it really spoke well to my moving and being in my body. And I've done a number of extensive trainings with yoga. And experienced 500-hour registered yoga teacher trainer. <laughs> certified. certified through Yoga Alliance. And I've assisted a number of trainings with the teachers that I have studied under. Um, and I have practiced for only God knows how many hours on my own mat. Um, and in life, since yeah. I started, and since I started practicing yoga, it was like this is so good for me, and it's just been consistent. So I'm upwards of fifteen years of a very regular practice.
0: And in addition to all that, you're while well, you, <clears throat> you you've assisted your teachers in those teacher trainings. You also do one-on-one, you've been doing one-on-one work for a long time, right? Several years.
4: Yeah. And that takes different forms. I also have studied Thai Massage, um, which really informed both my teaching of people just a regular movement practice in understanding kind of how bodies move and how to support bodies to move through my own touch and um, assisting of their process so I feel very adept at what I do and really love working with people one-on-one because each body is super different and kind of the body that they come into the space with is, is different. Everyone has their movement patterns and their tight places and their weak places um so working with people individually i feel like i can really meet that person where they are mm-hmm. which is more effective in my view and experience than uh, kind of a one-size-fits-all that just is not how bodies mm-hmm. work we're so different mm-hmm. so yeah the one-on-one approach is very rich
0: and so what as we go into retreat or start talking about the retreat what what do you what's your plan what, what do you want to do
4: yeah I'm really excited to share gentle movement um, each morning that it people are excited for that I find in my own experience with working with ayahuasca that just getting the body primed lubricated so to speak like warmed up can really help the experience in ceremony mm-hmm. um, and then after that say like the day after a ceremony there's this such rich connection to the sensations of the body so then when you have a movement practice it can the the ability to listen and feel mm-hmm. I find is amplified mm-hmm. as what ayahuasca does so beautifully so it can really help people um, lean into the places where they might usually feel numb Mm. and so ayahuasca has maybe brought some life back to those places and just really supporting that sense of deep listening which to me is what a movement practice is really about and if we listen to the communication that the body is sending to know with then experience guidance how can this support me in my everyday mm-hmm. life uh, so gentle movement to just help us wake up be in our body and support ceremony as well as all the other work mm-hmm. that y'all are doing and then having one-on-one time with people to help them kind of create a, a structure or options that then they can take home with them mm-hmm. to facilitate the. Deeper journey of being in our bodies every day. Mm-hmm. So if we're not here residing here, I'm not really sure what we're doing.
0: On the point of the daily practice. Oh, oh wait. Um, on, on the point of doing that individual work. To be clear, um, just just like you said, there's a broad range of people and bodies, mm-hmm. and so if I understand correctly from our previous conversations off camera, um, it can be anything from nice, gentle, just yin type movement, uh, if you will, to like if they want to get a little more hardcore, you're, you're ready to go for that too. Um, and cause I'm sure that we will have people who are like, yeah, I want to get a, get a workout in. Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, totally. And, um, that's, what's really fun about, uh, working with different people. It's, and a sport of opportunity. And so people who maybe, um, and I think this will be supported by the rest of the work in the retreat, people to come into contact with what, whatever their habitual patterns are. Mm-hmm. And if they tend towards maybe like some lethargy or heavy energies and want to balance that with more vigorous kind of strength building, building some heat in the body, um, we can do that and that can doesn't need to require external equipment. like there's a lot that can be done just with the body itself with a little bit of knowledge. And if people come in and they tend to be like really doers and want to work on finding some balance in more soft receptive places. Um, yin, restorative, much slower paced, more um, watery so to speak can really help those people and there's a way for people who feeling pretty good who are feeling pretty good to integrate actually all of those types into whatever their movement practice would look like and for whomever comes um, I imagine giving them a little of both because we not only is every body different, but every day is different mm-hmm. for those different bodies. Mm-hmm. So people know they tend toward this, but they also have, you know, they have fiery days, they have watery days, and they would like some balance, then they go away with a toolkit of some diversity mm-hmm. of what they can apply. So we're coming back to whatever they feel is aligned for them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that that makes sense to me because, you know, even just looking at, like, Zach and I, right, you know, Zach tends to lean towards more, like, kettlebell workouts on a consistent basis, Um, and I I like kettlebells, (laughs) Um, but, you know, my body generally calls for more fluid, almost dancey, not quite like as still and deep as yin can get, but just a little bit more unburdened natural flow within a calisthenic dynamic almost. Um, but there's sometimes where I'm like, yeah, let's get after it. Yeah. And then some days where I wake up, I'm like, man, my body is sore and I'm just feeling a little stuck today. It might be hard for me to jump from feeling a little stuck straight into the fire but if I have practices that are just help that energy start to move, it is like water just going against kind of the bank of a river, being like, okay, we're moving a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're moving a little bit. Okay, now the stream's coming through more. And, yeah. you know, learning how my body is asking to be worked with that day has been a, a deeply personal journey. Mm. Um,
4: I would say the tool that I would really love to impart to people is a deep sense of body literacy mm. to just read the signs, feel into, um, the tightness or the need for opening or strength or, you know, from strength to st- stability and flexibility and mobility. Like it's really, uh intricate tapestry and so allowing people to read themselves is very empowering and then they can go home and know this will work for well for me today and I'm going to need something different tomorrow and they have tons of tools to address it.
0: Cool that's a awesome segue into how movement and what you're going to help people Design. Um, They're integrate. It's going to be part of the integration take home package, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit about integration in the sense? I I think we we've done. uh, Check out our YouTube channel. (laughs) We've done a a longer segment or a video with Krista talking about preparation integration, and she did an amazing job on that video, as she is right now. And I, I think from those integration videos that I've done with you and other people, the, the, the idea is to stabilize one's way of being post retreat so that, the, that they maintain that going out into the world, going home. How does that, how does movement play into that?
4: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in my experience, ayahuasca really helps to open a lot of the channels in the body. And then they're open flowing there's perhaps insights that come in a retreat and then we go home and without some tools to support the continual maintenance of that opening mm-hmm. things can like a dam in a river it could really shut some stuff down and um, old maybe not so useful ways of being can pop back in and then we're like what the heck so to design something that works for someone to facilitate the continual movement of energy. And mm-hmm. there's so many practices that are more ancient than I can even really fathom that we're all about helping us continue the flow of energy in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And movement to me is one of the most um, effective because we're actually physically moving the body to facilitate then the movement of energy helps moving the circulatory system, the lymphatic system, supporting the respiratory system, supporting the endocrine system, like literally the whole thing. Um, So allowing people to stay connected after retreat to the openness that they feel, Mm -hmm. to, as you said, stabilize in that new place where the sense of opening actually becomes how we are in the world Mm -hmm. on a regular basis not how we are only in a specific context mm-hmm. and that openness um, really in my experience allows life to kind of keep this majestic mysterious sense of awe and curiosity in everyday life and i mean that sounds great <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and as you're talking um this whole getting Literally getting in touch with the body and listening to the body—that's not only on a physical level, but it's also you know, emotions, thought patterns, and that sort of thing. Through that awareness of the body, one can become more aware of what's going on on a, a broader, in a broader sense, and uh, plays into to the coaching as well.
2: Yeah, and, we'll, and then the coaching plays into the illuminations. I mean, it, <laughs> this is this is the cycle, right? It's like. It starts with awareness. It, you know, you cannot transmute or transform things that you're not aware of, right? And so, <laughs> at least that's not been my experience. <laughs> I'm open to being proved wrong. <laughs> um, but you know, when you're in touch with your body, right, and you're watching your body, having a relationship with it, instead of like essentially having your body be an object of your consciousness Uh it has its own intelligence it's like oh i'm noticing that i don't want to do this movement (laughs) right like this what oh this is how i react to doing that movement Mm, there's a pattern there like doing going really slow for example might bring up agitation right it's Uh like oh i want to go quick (laughs) but patience actually causes agitation. That's fascinating. Let's look at that pattern. Let's feel that pattern. This, you know, physical contemplation. Uh Oh, that's a pattern. Okay, well now we can work around it a little bit, parse it out more, maybe do an illumination around it, whatever it may be. Uh And through staying in tune with your body... You actually have an instantaneous self reflective surface to see how that pattern has shifted mm-hmm. oh now oh, it's not so anxious that's cool yeah. and then you continue to develop just this loving appreciation for in my words the the vessel of your consciousness mm-hmm. that you're here with you know and movement helps the embodiment practice and if integration is that embodied understanding how can you do that if you're not in touch
0: with your body Mm -hmm. yeah well said and i i really like the the intertwining of all these these modalities that we're bringing in i wonder if i could take a take a moment and um talk about um our goal for these retreats, for people who attend these retreats, is for each one to go home with a bunch of new tools that stabilize one at this higher uh, level of consciousness, uh, vibration frequency, however you want to, you want to say it, um, and essentially, you know. We, The retreats that we've done, we we get a lot of people coming back over and over and over again, which is fantastic. Um, A lot of those people are interested in studying the medicine and and going really deep into plant medicine and so forth. Um, And for those who are not so interested in that path specifically, um, our goal is to be fired. We want people to go home and be like, that was amazing. I got all these... Patterns taken care of. I have these new practices that help me with other patterns that come up. Maybe do some illuminations, or maybe come back for one or two more of these ayahuasca retreats in small group format. That's great, but ultimately we want you to go home just done. The best way, way. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's the cool part is like
2: if you have that relationship with your body, if you have your own. Toolkit Mm -hmm. Great Mm -hmm. you are even more self-sufficient than within your own body within your approach to life and That is something that is invaluable Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. It's like Wow, I know where I can get support where I need it if it is external and I know that I have the internal resources on my own as well. Yeah.
4: Yeah. kind of like the thing about the analogy of uh, cooking. Uh-huh. And so when people are new to cooking, they need a recipe with all the specific measurements. They need the grocery list of what to go get. And over time, with a lot of practice, it can become I'm just gonna open my fridge and see what's there. I'm just gonna go to the grocery store and pick out what inspires me and I can come home and because I know enough, then I can create an amazing meal that needs less structure. So we're creating a really rich structured environment for people to try on a lot of things and then go home and master themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, very well said, very well said, cool. I think that covers it we're excited yes we're very excited um, we hope you're excited as well and this wraps up this series um, on what we do and uh, our unique approach to a uh, new and unique approach to ayahuasca and if you want to find out more um, we're at ayahuascafamily.com If you have specific questions for us, you can reach out to us at info at ayahuascafamily.com. And this is our YouTube channel, uh, which is under uh, La Familia Ayahuasca. We also have a SoundCloud, um, Apple Podcast. You can find us uh, by searching Ayahuasca Family. We have a bunch more podcasts that might be of interest to you as well. I think that covers it. Thank you very much.